This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. If you are like me, in our busy world today and the hectic lifestyle of family and work, it is so easy to neglect myself. Thankfully, I found Swanson Health. They have been producing quality vitamins, supplements, food and beverage products, healthy home products, and self-care products for over 50 years. Swanson Health offers a full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. From quality vitamins and supplements to cruelty-free beauty items to eco-friendly home products, Swanson Health is here to keep you healthy. Because I have dedicated myself to exercising regularly, some of my favorite products are from their sports nutrition line. I love the Energy C with electrolytes. It is an effervescent vitamin C drink mix with a great citrus flavor. Swanson Health ships orders all over the United States, Canada, and even internationally. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code SECRET20 for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders of $50 or more at swanson.com. Welcome to Secrets True Crime. I am your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast. To shine light on the story of Susan Osborne and her 14-year-old son, Evan Chartrand. They vanished from their home in the tiny Alabama community of Holtville on Memorial Day in 2017. They haven't been seen or heard from since, and their bodies have not been found. Listener discretion is advised. This episode does not contain foul language, but the subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. It is not suitable for younger listeners. More than a year has passed since our last episode about Susan and Evan, and that year has been full of painful milestones for their loved ones. Susan's birthday, Evan's birthday, a plethora of holidays that make you long for missing loved ones. The last days they saw or spoke to them, the last day anyone heard from them, and what should have been Evan's high school graduation. Losing loved ones is never easy, but the state of limbo that those left behind are in when they know their loved ones are gone, but they can't find their remains to bring them home for a proper burial, it is a constant state of upheaval and torture. We do have some updates for you. Early on in season one, I asked Holly, When Jerry bought the house that he lived in with Susan, here is what she told me. He already had the house before she met him. That was his house before they met. Per the Montgomery Multiple Listing Service, Jerry purchased the home that he and Susan lived in on Waterview Drive on January 25th, 2013. Remember this date. Susan was private, and around the time she married Jerry, her behavior was odd. 
If you'll recall, her mom discovered that she and Jerry were married by Googling Susan's name. That Google search revealed Susan's name in a list of people who'd purchased marriage licenses. Susan didn't tell her friends and family that she and Jerry were married. How I even found out that they even got married, she called me up one day at my house and it showed up Susan Osborne. And I saw her name instead of Susan Shortrand. And I saw the name pop up on my card. I said, Susie, is there something you want to tell me? She's like, what do you mean? I said, uh, your name? Your name just showed up on my card as Osborne, not Chartrand. I said, is there anything you need to tell me? And, you know, this was not long after they got engaged. They had a very short engagement. And she goes, oh, oh, yeah, we got married. I said, and you were going to tell me when? And she said, oh, we got married about a week ago. I was like, and why didn't you tell me this? She said, uh, she said it wasn't really any big deal. So she was just very nonchalant about it. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, she's like, because I knew that you would want to be there. She said, I wanted you to be there, but I knew you couldn't get off of work. And I didn't want you to feel obligated that you had to, you know, take off of work. So she said, that's why. She's like, because I knew that, you know, you would be there. And she said, I wanted you to be there, but she's like, I know how your job is, too. She said, he found this little elopement church out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember it was somewhere in Alabama. And I think it was somewhere up in North Alabama, but I don't remember the exact town. It was... I mean, literally a town out in the middle of nowhere, some little country church where literally she said somehow Jerry found it online. And it was just you go. It's literally an elopement. Just the two of you The only people there's the preacher and his wife, I think, was the witness, the preacher's wife. And it was literally just them there. And it was in uh, January. I think I can't remember the exact month they got married. But she said, I wore a purple dress. She said, <laughs> she said it was. You know, nothing fancy whatsoever. She said, literally, it was just the two of us. I do, I do. That was it. She said, it wasn't anything big. Later on in season one, I made a visit to a local courthouse and obtained the divorce complaint filed by Jerry after Susan and Evan were missing. It indicated that Jerry and Susan married on January 25th 2014. What a coincidence. Jerry and Susan got married one year to the day after Jerry purchased his home. On December 14, 2019, Jerry Osborne listed the home that he, Susan, and Evan lived in for sale with a local realtor. Oddly enough, a for sale sign was never placed in his yard. So many locals and even neighbors never knew the house was for sale. While I can't say for sure why a sign was never put in the yard, as a longtime realtor, I would guess that there was no sign placed because the seller likely requested there not be. Just 13 days later, the home was under contract, and on February 21, 2020, Jerry sold the home to new owners. Before we go any further with updates, I want to take you back to Susan's best friend, Holly, telling us how Susan first met Jerry Osborne. 
they were fishing. Her and Evan were out fishing on the Coosa River one day, and she had kind of had been to where she didn't really want to date anybody, you know, for a longest time, for several years. She was really in a frame of mind. She didn't, you know, after her and his dad broke up, she did not want to date, did not want to get involved with anyone. And as she finally started opening up a little bit more and, and was like, okay, you know, might be, you know, willing to give somebody a chance possibly. And so she was kind of just keeping an open mind at this point, but not really rushing any, anything. And her and Evan were out fishing one day. And I remember she called me up and was telling me about when she met Jerry. And she said, you know, I met this guy. And she said, he just seems so sweet and so down to earth. And she said, you know, she's the more they sort of talk and the more she just really sort of liked me. And she's like, you're going to have to meet him. She's like, I really like him. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. So he better treat you good. And when I met him, he just seemed so nice, you know, so down to earth. I mean, and just even after they really got serious with each other and even after they got married, you would have thought he was a great guy. He put on a good front. If you'll recall, Holly and Melissa told us that at the time Susan met Jerry, she'd really been struggling she had major financial issues, and that had led to a series of events in which she lost custody of both of her children. She'd since obtained full custody of Evan, but her young daughter remained in the custody of her father. Holly has described Susan becoming quickly smitten with Jerry Osborne, and Jerry was going to be her hero. She viewed him as her knight in shining armor. Because he was claiming he was helping her get back and all this. And that was one of the things that he kept telling her to try and, I guess, keep her. Is I'm going to help you get full custody back. I'm helping you. I'm going to pay for everything. You know, I, I'm going to take care of it. I'll help you get her back. He would always put up this big act like he was actually doing something to help when he wasn't. It appears Jerry's charms have been put to work again. When he sold the home he lived in with Susan and Evan earlier this year, he moved in with a new woman and her minor children in Prattville, Alabama, which is approximately a 30-minute drive from the home he lived in with Susan and Evan. As we researched where Jerry moved and who he was living with, we discovered the woman's Facebook page, and from her Facebook we found that Jerry now has a social media presence, too. He has a Facebook account under a strange spelling of his own name. Jerry's profile is mostly locked down, and only a few things are visible to people who are not his friend. He describes himself as a full-time biker. The only posts and photos we could see were when he updated his profile and cover photos. Jerry's profile does reveal one interesting bit of information, though. He is now engaged to be married. His profile states he has been engaged since January 25th, 2020. While bizarre behavior from Jerry shouldn't surprise me, somehow this revelation did. I feel certain a psychologist could have a field day with this behavior. 
And most of all, I wonder, what significance does the date, January 25th, hold for Jerry? Closed on his first home, married Susan, and now proposed to his new love all on the same date? Could this just be a coincidence? Generally, I just don't believe in coincidences. But maybe some of you will think that's what this is. Then I would ask you, what kind of man proposes to his new love on the same date he married another woman? I know everyone wants to know where the case stands, and our guess is it stands exactly where it did the last time you heard from us. Law enforcement told us that the district attorney wants bodies, or at least someone with the knowledge of bodies, to move this case forward. I have to admit, we find this somewhat frustrating. The only person of interest walks free and lives his life that now involves other minor children. We know that the district attorney's concern is most likely that they only get one shot. If Jerry is charged and not convicted by a jury of his peers, then he's forever free from punishment for those alleged crimes. Obviously, that is a very real and valid concern. However, Tad Tobias, the world's foremost expert on no-body prosecutions, had this to say about this case when we interviewed him last year. You know, when you start to look at these things, this to me, sometimes I look at cases and say, you need more. Sometimes I say, you need one more thing. Sometimes I say, you know, you're, you're pretty close here. And sometimes I say, you absolutely are ready to go to trial. And of course, that's after examining all the police evidence, which I haven't done in this case. But I would certainly put this in the category of this is actually a fairly decent case without looking at what the police have. And if everything we know publicly is correct, that's actually a fairly strong case. I think police and prosecutors tend to overlook the lies, whereas in this case, you'd say, why would the guy who's husband and stepdad to this son lie about anything related to his missing wife and stepson? That just doesn't make any sense. If he's innocent, He'd do anything to get the people back. Even if he didn't, even if he wasn't crazy about the stepson or wasn't crazy about the wife, he'd know, well, shit, it looks like I'm going to get in trouble if I look like I'm suspicious. So I'm going to be totally open and honest about what happened. So then we start pointing out lies. It's like, well, why would you lie? You'd lie because you did it. So I wish the sheriff would contact me, even if the DA is not willing to go forward, because I could at least walk them through and say, here's a way to pitch it to the DA and show them some other cases. Because I just think... If this is what we know publicly, the police usually know more that's even better. The bottom line is this. It really looks like until someone finds the remains of Susan and Evan, or until the district attorney decides they will move forward on this case with a nobody prosecution, this case is likely to stay cold. That's why it's so important that if you have any information that could help in solving the disappearance of Susan Osborne and Evan Chartrand, you call the Elmore County Sheriff's Office at 334-567-5546. 
You may also email me at secretstruecrime at gmail.com. You can stay anonymous. If you are left still wanting even more content, please check us out on Patreon. We have filled it with great information about Susan and Evan, Eric and Gypsy, and Hayden Mayberry. This podcast is an independent podcast. That means that everything that goes into making this podcast is done and funded by me. All of the investigative tools and resources are provided by Echo 7 Foxtrot. The tragedies we highlight and investigate have had a tremendous impact on the victims, loved ones, and friends. We don't burden them with additional expenses to cover their cases. We donate our time and talents because we want to help and hope to find the answers they need that are long overdue. For as little as $5 per month, you can receive exclusive access to members-only photos, videos, early access to episodes, and much, much more. By becoming a patron, you too are helping us help these families. Your support as a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast helps us cover the expenses associated with producing a high-quality podcast, traveling to conduct field work and interviews, and obtaining the tools and equipment needed to conduct a thorough investigation. In short, your support as a patron allows us to do more for these families. Become a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast today, and let's solve these cases together. Patreon.com slash Secrets Crime. I'll also post the link on our Facebook page. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice and by giving us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. I'm active on social media and often share photos related to all of these cases. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Secrets Crime. This episode was co-written by me and Michael Fleming. The audio production for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com.